Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all today. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Did everybody have a good time? All right, good. Yeah, you're clapping for that? Okay, we'll clap for a good Thanksgiving. Hey, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are super glad to have you here with us today at Bridgewater. We are in the last week of a series called This Is What We Do, and I'll give you a really quick summary of what it is before we dive into God's Word this morning, okay? This series is what I like to call a discipleship series. A couple of times a year, we do that around here at Bridgewater. We take a particular area and and see what God's Word has to say about how believers need to be living this out, okay? Because discipleship is where believers take in every area of their life and bring it into increasing obedience under what God says. If you're not sure where you stand with Jesus or if you're not sure about Jesus for yourself, that's fine. Yeah, I want you to be able to take time and think through that for yourself, but we are particularly speaking into the lives of believers in this series. I don't want you to think that if you aren't a believer yet or you aren't sure, I don't want you to think that you have to do this to be accepted, okay? To be clear, I want you to know that this is focused on what it looks like for believers to follow Jesus. Now, uh, uh, the different areas of our lives that, that come under the leadership of Jesus, you know, that, that encompass, encompasses a lot of different things. This particular series, we are talking about stewardship. The Bible talks about stewardship in a couple of ways, okay? It talks about stewarding our bodies. Our bodies, for believers, they don't belong to us. They were given to us by God. They're God's. And so God calls us to use them well, to submit our bodies to him, and use them in line with how he has Uh, declared in his word. He also talks about time being a stewardship issue, how we use our time, you know. I'm pretty sure that the Bible calls me to sit up and play Fortnite all night. I'm pretty sure that's what, no, I've actually never played Fortnite. My boys love it. I don't know. I'm not a gamer. If you are, you know, more power to you. But the thing is, for believers, we do need to think about how we use our time. It's an important issue. And also, it talks about how we steward finances. And this particular series is a a series focused on stewarding finances. Today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 primarily. And Matthew chapter 6 is in the middle of a section of scripture that, that we call the Sermon on the Mount, okay? It wasn't literally a sermon, you know. It was just a, a collection of teachings where more than likely Jesus was on the, on the eastern side of the shore of the Sea of Galilee. There's kind of a, a hilly area over there where Jesus would often go and he would teach people. Now, if Jesus was teaching in that culture, he would sit down and all the people would stand. So the sermons were probably quite shorter, I would say. Um, but no. but, but in, in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, we have this collection uh, of the Sermon on the Mount. And in it, Jesus talks all about what it looks like to be a child of God. It, it declares for us what people who belong to Jesus what their lives should look like, okay? Tells us, you know, what our words should look like, 
He, he tells us what forgiveness should look like. He talks to us about our interactions with other people in it. And interestingly enough, he doesn't avoid the subject of money. As much as I would like him to, he doesn't. There's this, there's this passage in, in, in this verse in Matthew chapter 6 that years ago grabbed my attention and it really like kind of got me thinking. It's Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. Here's what it says. It says, no one can serve two masters. I don't care how good you are at, you know, uh, multitasking <laughs> when it comes to serving and who you give your allegiance to. Nobody can serve two masters. Here's why. For you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And just in case we miss what Jesus is getting at, because the context, the verses before, talk about money and, and our stewardship of money. Just in case we miss the context, he ends by saying this. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Whew. Okay, if you're not awake yet, you're welcome. That grabs your attention. Like, you can't serve God and be enslaved to money, which I think probably has something to say about what we tend to call the American dream and what we tend to think everything should look like in our American culture. Here's what Jesus is saying, just in case we missed it, okay? Simple summary. You either worship with your wealth. I got that wrong, sorry. <laughs> I wrote this, you'd think I'd know what it says. You either worship your wealth or you worship with your wealth. That's what Jesus is saying. Two options that you and I have day in and day out. We either worship wealth, or we worship with our wealth. Now, I don't know, I don't care how old you are or young you are. Some of you in this room are, are quite young today, and you're going to grow up, and God, God will give you resources and give you opportunities, and right now, you are setting trends for what you are going to do. Parents, you're teaching your children what you are going to do financially, and there's really only two options. You either worship wealth, or you worship God with your wealth. There's a couple of different perspectives when it comes to handling finances in our culture. Here's the two perspectives that I tend to see. Number one, the perspective of ownership. This is the, probably the most common. It's the idea that my life, my possessions, everything that I have, my house, my cars, my money, my bank account, my 401k, all of my stuff, it belongs to me and it's here for my use and my enjoyment. That's what it's here for. I understand this perspective. If you've ever saved up and purchased something, you know what that feels like because it's exciting. It's like, man, I worked hard and I, I, I scrimped and I saved and I went so long and I was able to buy this. And then when something bad happens to it, you're like, Argh! ever felt that? Oh, come on. You guys are lying to me this morning. Let's be honest. Before we moved here, you know, I... We sold a, a couple of vehicles, sold a bunch of stuff, and I, I bought what to me was my first ever, like, nice truck, you know? And we got here, and, and I hadn't been here but, like, two months, and I had a friend out helping me with something, and, and 
I gave him one of my chainsaws, and he's out working with me, and wouldn't you know it, somehow he got too close to my truck and hit it with the chainsaw. I was really excited. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I understood the perspective of ownership. It's mine. It belongs to me. And it's really easy to want to respond like that, right? That's the most common. In fact, that's the one that our culture will teach us and disciple us in. And yet Jesus teaches us a different perspective, one that the world calls crazy, and one that if you follow, the world will probably call you crazy. It's the perspective of stewardship. The perspective of stewardship says that my life, everything that I am, everything that I have, my possessions, they belong to God and they're to be invested for His purposes. Oh, don't get me wrong, one of His purposes is to take care of His children and certainly He wants to take care of you, but let's not miss that He has bigger and and better purposes as well, purposes that stretch into eternity. And the goal is for me to invest well. If you don't believe me, what about one of Jesus' closest followers in, in, in the time that he walked on earth? A man named Peter wrote about this. In 1 Peter chapter 4, he said this, each of you, every single believer, by the way, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Whatever you have, time, Talent, treasure, capabilities, knowledge, whatever it is, God wants you to use it to serve other people. And all of the pull of daily life is, I want to figure out how to serve myself and and get what I want. And yet, we are called to serve others because we are meant to be faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If you want to know how to show people God's grace, start using what you have to serve them. We are called to be stewards. Now, I want to remind you that really what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 6 is you either worship your wealth or you worship with your wealth. So how do you avoid worshiping your wealth and choosing to worship God with your wealth? Well, let's go back to Matthew chapter 6 and see what he has to say. I'm going to start in verse 19, okay? Here's what he, he says. Don't store up treasures here on earth. Boy, that's countercultural. We like to have nice things and go to nice places and save lots of money and be able to get to that place in life where that last little bit in life we can go anywhere and do whatever we want and, and be able to buy whatever we want, right? That's the idea. And yet Jesus says, hey, wait a minute, that's crazy. Do you understand that Jesus says that the American way of life is crazy? He says it's insane. He says it's a waste of life. Because look at what happens. Moths eat your stuff. Rust causes it to disintegrate away. And thieves break in and steal. Why would we store up stuff that goes to nothing? I I love this word. You know, when it talks about 
destroying them. The word that's used there is a word that means to make invisible. It's really, it's literally as if it didn't even ever exist. And that's what happens when we store things up here on earth. What is Jesus saying? Is he, is he saying it's wrong to, to buy vehicles? Is he saying it's wrong to have a house? Is he saying you shouldn't buy any clothes? No, let's be clear. That's not what he's saying, okay? I want to be really clear there. But the bottom line is he's saying don't get distracted with the here and now. Jesus is warning us, don't get distracted with the here and now. That's what he's saying. Now, what, 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 what's that mean? He's saying it's so easy to get our eyes on the wrong things and start going in a direction that won't last. Anybody here like to ride motorcycles? I, I, I enjoy that. I, I enjoy riding motorcycles. I started riding, the first time I rode a motorcycle was 17 years ago. I bought my first motorcycle 17 years ago. I got it home, and then a few days later, it was actually this weekend, 17 years ago. I was living in Kansas City, and I called a friend of mine and said, hey, let's go ride, because I really, I'd ridden dirt bikes, but I wasn't used to riding like a, a, a street bike, you know. So we go out, and he took me to this place called Wyandotte County uh, uh, Lake. And it's, it's a really hilly area with lots of switchbacks all around in this state park. And so we go there, and I learned a very valuable lesson. Guess what I learned? I learned that where you look is where you go. Everybody, anybody ever seen that when they drive? Where you look is where you go. What you think on, what you fixate on, what you pay attention to, what you are, are spending time looking at, that is where you go. So I came up over this hill, and, and I looked down the hill, and it was, it was Thanksgiving, you know, the weekend of Thanksgiving. It was a little chilly. The, the roads were a little slick. And as I came down this hill, I noticed that there's this really big ditch off the side at the bottom of the hill. And I started thinking, man, I really don't want to go into that ditch. I'd really like to avoid that. That's not good. Wow, that ditch is getting bigger as I get closer. And wouldn't you know it, guess what happened? Because I did nothing but stare at the ditch, I went in the ditch. Now, thankfully, I was going very, very slow, and I was safe and didn't go down or anything like that. So don't, you know, don't worry. But taught me something. Taught me a lot about what it looks like to ride, but it's, it's a general principle for life, and it's the same thing that Jesus is saying. Don't get caught up thinking about, investing in, storing up, going after the things of this life. It's a trap. It's a trap. It is crazy, Jesus says. It rusts, moths, eat it up, thieves come and steal. I mean, seriously, anybody ever had something stolen? I, I've had things stolen. I had a truck stolen a number of years ago. I think I told you all that story not, not that long ago. I had, a, I had a trailer stolen from me. I went outside. I see this thing is gone. It is a sick feeling because now you're like, what am I going to do? Here's my point. Why? Why would we live as if our lives are wrapped up in stuff? That's what Jesus is saying. Now, he doesn't stop there. 
He doesn't stop with the negative. He doesn't just tell you, don't store up here. He tells you what our lives really should consist of. Instead, he gives us a place where we can make investments or we can put deposits or we can do things that are going to last. Here's what he says in verse 20. He says this, store your treasures. Now, whatever your treasures are, could be a number of things, by the way. He's saying store them in heaven. Certainly this involves finances, but throughout scripture, treasures involve a number of things. It involves what you give your time to, what you give your attention to, what you invest in, where you serve, how you give, where, what you're, you know, who you're helping. He's saying whatever we're doing, it should be something that matters for eternity. That's what he's saying. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. Again, remember this, they cannot make it invisible, they cannot make it disappear, and thieves cannot break in and steal. So what is he saying? How do, we, how do we make sure that we don't worship money and we worship God with our money? Well, a couple of things. We don't get distracted and we save up for the future. I am very, very thankful that I've had um, parents who taught me a lot financially Okay? Some people had parents who taught them a lot financially. Some people, some people didn't, you know. Um, my parents taught me a lot financially. They taught me how to think about the future and how to save. I am very, very thankful for that. They taught me to think about uh, a principle called compounding interest. You ever, you ever heard of compounding interest? The idea of compounding interest is that the longer, the longer time that you, an investment has, the more interest it can over time accrue. And what Jesus is saying, listen, don't, don't get me wrong, Jesus is not against like good investments. He's just telling you, don't get wrapped up in the idea that the only thing you should save for is your retirement. You better be saving for eternity because what's done in this life is what affects eternity. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying there are rewards. There will be things that have an impact on eternity. What are you investing in? What am I Investing in. Man. Then he goes on in verse 21 and he helps us to, to know how to evaluate our lives. To evaluate our investments. He says this. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your hearts will also be. Hmm. Whatever I treasure, whatever I cling to, whatever I want, whatever I'll do just about anything to make sure I have, that shows me the desires of my heart. For example, there are nights that I go home from work or from coaching or for whatever, and all I want is peace and quiet. Anybody ever had a night like that? Like, I mean, give me a nice cup of coffee or a, a hot cup of tea, and I can sit by the fire, and I can have my book, and I will be good. And then I snap out of it and remember, I have three children. And you know what I find out? Very, very quickly, I find out how important my peace and quiet is to me when I don't have it. Because it's easy to respond negatively. That teaches me what has my heart. When I want comfort 
and I don't have it, when I want to be safe and secure and I don't get it, when I want financial security and for whatever reason God has, has, has put me in a place where I have to trust Him and wait on Him, it reveals to me the desires of my heart and what really, really has my heart. Jesus is saying we need to learn to ask a big question. Here's the question. What do I treasure? What do I want so badly that I'm sometimes even willing to go to great lengths to get it? What do I treasure? Now, the majority of the New Testament was written by a man named Paul who became a believer in the middle portion of his life. The first portion of his life, he was headed in one direction and he thought that, that these were the important things in life. And then he came face to face with Jesus and, and Jesus changed him and he started going in a very different direction. And Paul actually describes, you know, living in a way that was designed to worship God and, and how God changed his perspective. In Philippians chapter 3, he writes this, he says, I once thought these things were valuable. He'd been talking about all the things that he used to think were valuable. And he says, I don't think those things are valuable. He'd been talking about how, how, how people knowing you know, uh, uh, um, him, him uh, using his life in, in a way that he thought was well. And he said he realized those things were not valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Then verse 8, he says this. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. He's saying, there were all kinds of things that I thought were super, super important, and then I met Jesus and I realized, nope, I got it wrong. Now I want to go after what is super, super important. Boy, if ever there was a, a couple of verses that, that might help us, if we were to look into the mirror of, of what we tend to value in our culture, how we tend to value what people think or say about us, how we tend to value financial security, we tend to value possessions. And this is not a rich versus poor thing. It is the same regardless of where you stand socioeconomically. We, we tend to value these things. And Paul, whether or not he was talking about you know, social status or, or whatever, he's just saying, when I met Jesus, I realized I had it wrong, and now I see what's really, really important. I want to know Christ, and I want to invest in what will matter for eternity. That's the call for us. Then verse 14, look at what he says. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm, there's a race, and I see the finish line, and I want to keep my attention on the finish line. I want to strive and I want to scrape. I want to go. I want to fight. I want to keep going. I want to go for what will matter. You may think I'm crazy. I mean, he gave everything up. He gave up the comfort that he had in Jerusalem. He gave everything up to go and travel the Mediterranean Rim, which some of you think would be great. Listen, this was not a Mediterranean vacation, you understand? 
This was like shipwrecks and snake bites, okay? That's what was going on to help people know Jesus, and people thought he was crazy, and he said, no, you don't get it. I'm not the crazy one. You're the crazy ones. You're the crazy ones. Because I am striving for the finish line. It's as if Paul was trying to send a message, and Jesus too, trying to send a message to us about what we should live for. I've got a little rope over here that I want to uh, show you. I don't know how little it is. This is, uh, this is a bowline that I use in, in trees, and um, it's designed for a, a, a specific purpose, um, to be able to hold up to 15,000 pounds. And it's 200 feet long, and I just want you to imagine something with me for a minute. Um, I want you to imagine that this rope stretches on for eternity, okay? And of course, it ends someplace over there by the wall. You, you know that. You're smart people. But I just want you to imagine that it stretches on for eternity. In fact, it's, it's a little bit like a, a symbol that we have in geometry, you guys remember geometry? You didn't know you were going to go back to school today. Um, in geometry, there's a symbol. It's, we, we call it a line with a ray, okay? It looks a little bit like this. So a line with a ray on the end of it symbolizes the idea that if allowed, unless something stops it, this line will continue on into eternity, as will this one going that direction. So if you have a line with a ray on either side, in geometry that means that that could essentially go into an infinity, go to, into eternity in either direction. The only thing that will stop it is where you have a, a dot. A dot on the line. And I want you to imagine that this rope stretches into eternity and... Uh, if that's true, then you need to know that this, this little yellow part symbolizes your life, symbolizes my life. And the fact of the matter is that it is so easy for us to get caught up living for this and forgetting all of this, forgetting that this stretches on forever and ever. And ever, and all I can think about is saving and scrimping so that in the last little 20 years, if I even get to that age, if I even get to live those last 20 years, then maybe I can live and do whatever I want and travel however I want and buy whatever I want. And Jesus says, you are insane if you live for the dot and not the line. Jesus says, don't live for the little yellow part. Live for the rest of it. See, this is what we do. We live for the line, not the dot. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't, don't store up treasure in heaven. Not be, or don't, don't store up treasure on earth. Not, not because it's like wrong or sinful or whatever. It just doesn't last. Don't, don't store up 
all kinds of things. I mean, listen, should you, should you store up and, and save for retirement? Sure. The problem is we often tend to way overestimate what we're really going to need because we want to have fun. And I'm telling you, Jesus says, it's foolish. Don't store up treasure on earth where it's going to corrode. Store up treasure in heaven where nothing can touch it, and God is going to turn it into an eternal reward. That's what he does. This is what we do. We live for the line. Now, Paul, who I told you about a little bit earlier, shares kind of his life verse in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, he he gives this incredible statement about how, how he has tried to orient his life. He says this, my life is worth nothing to me. Ooh, that's a big statement. Unless. Unless what? I know you can see the rest of the verse there, but can we back up in a, a, a minute and tend to think about what, tend, what people tend to fill that next statement in with? My life is worth nothing unless I can be rich and famous. My wife, life is worth nothing unless I can have a family and kids. My, my life is worth nothing unless I have the job that I want and whatever. My life, I mean, that's what we tend to fill it in with. And Paul who understood what Jesus was saying, flips the script and he says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I can use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. In other words, he's saying, unless I can invest it in things that are going to matter. And some of of you are my heroes, can I just tell you? You're, You're investing in kids and teens and it's hard and it's frustrating and get tired. Some of you are praying day and night for people to trust Christ. Some of you are, are, are constantly investing in other people and counseling and loving on them. Man, can I just tell you, I am so thankful for that. Keep living for the line, okay? Paul says, my life is worth nothing. We can go back. My life is worth nothing unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Paul says, I want to live for the line, and he knows there's a finish line. Now, I've noticed something interesting coming out recently about or by, uh, by the company Nike. Anybody familiar with them? They've got a slogan. How's it go? Just, wow, you guys are smart. Can't get anything past you guys. Just do it. But they have a new slogan that they've been putting out in all of their running gear. I get to coach here in Vestal, cross country and track. And um, my son ran a race yesterday, and they have a new slogan that they've been putting out in some of their race and running apparel, and I think it, it is excellent, not just for runners, but excellent for Christians to think about how we should use our lives. They have a slogan that goes like this, finish on empty. 
finish on empty. See, I think it's easy to think that we should, we should just keep saving and scrimping and clawing just so we have this nest egg or this pile of whatever. And the problem is none of us have a clue when our life will be over. And really what we're called to do is to run and run and run and invest in eternity so that when we finish or when God says we're done, we're on empty. And we cross that line. And we've invested well. That's what it means to live for the line. So I want to just give you here today a little grid on how you can evaluate and, and search and see whether or not things are, are, are heading in your life in a direction where you are worshiping money or worshiping God with money. Here, here's, here's the grid. The grid goes like this. If we took a look at a whole year of your spending or my spending, would we draw the conclusion that you're laying up treasure in heaven? See, I, I'd like to give you like, hey, do A, B, C, and D, but I don't think the scripture is like that clear on all of this. The scripture just tells us, invest wisely. Scripture doesn't say, you know, the New Testament especially, it doesn't tell you, hey, go do this, 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 and this with your money. It just says, lay up treasure in heaven. Okay, if we looked at your spending for a year, not a week, not a month, let's take a year, would we say that you're storing up treasure in heaven? Yes or no? Beyond that, what's the direction of your life? Is my life consumed with me and what I want and all of the things that I want to accomplish or is the direction of my life the glory of God and the, the spread of the gospel and investing in eternity? What about the question, is there a trend? Is there a trend in my spending? Is there a trend in my time? Is there a trend in how I use my Life. Am, I, am I getting filled up and poured out, filled up and poured out, filled up and poured out so I'm finishing on empty whenever the Lord comes back or takes me home? What, what is it? Are you making gospel investments? Are you investing? Whether it's in missions or churches or works or whatever, church planting, whatever it be, that is helping other people Know Jesus. Are you making gospel investments at your work with your own life, with your own tongue? What is the trend of your life? Is it that you worship money or you worship God with your money? This is what we do. We live for the line. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help me to finish on empty. I pray that you would help me to finish the work that you've burdened my heart for and convicted me of, not only financially, but just with my time and my talents and my treasure. And God, I pray that we, as a people, would do the same. That, 
we would be these people who recognize that this is what Christians do. We live for the line. We finish on empty. God, it's my prayer that you would use us. It's my prayer that you would change lives in this area, that you would take the gospel investments, and God, that you would turn this area upside down and that it would spread into the other areas around us. God, God, I pray that you would do something that none of us will be able to take credit for because it's so clear that only you could take it and multiply it. But God, please, help us to invest wisely. Pray in Jesus' name.